CBG settings complete. Neural linkage ion density normal. Update metamotor cortex parameters. Nuclear reactor critical. Power flow stable. Systems all green. Strike freedom. System activated. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that now has to watch Destiny. My name is Jeremy. We're now funneling into the back end of the series. I'm Tyler. I've always preferred Dragoons. My name is Zach. What is the difference? Dragoons is what you call them in Gundam Seed. Okay. (laughs) There is a difference between bits and funnels. Yes, I knew that. Yeah, that's literally just all it is. Dragoons are funnels. I don't actually know what the difference between bits and funnels are. I can't remember. I thought you said... Bits didn't have their own power supply. They took it from the mech, whereas funnels did. That is true, but I don't remember if it's. I don't remember if that's true about bits or that's true about funnels. That is the difference, but I can't remember which is which. Bits well, are you... the ones that have their own generators. Okay, oh, I, thank I, you. A random Reddit thread. You know, it seems like it would be the other way around because the funnels are so much bigger. Because the new Gundam has funnels, whereas Charles Sazabi has bits. The new Gundam's funnels are kind of weird. They also they have shield, shield generators. Shield them. Yeah, yeah. So they're also beam rifles as opposed to like beam pea shooters. They're like full on like rifle rifles. They're yeah. rad, is what they are. Which they makes are rad. Yeah, it seem like it should probably have its own power supply. Fin funnels are technically bits since they're powered by generators. Ah, so they are they are technically bits. They're uh, just called fin funnels, which also increases their firepower, putting them on par with battleship cannons and enabling them to generate fin funnel fields. I don't so know what that is. <laughs> what carries funnels in that case? Um, the Kubali, I believe, has funnels. Does uh, the Sasabi have funnels or does it have the, bits? The Sasabi might also have funnels. I'm I pretty know. sure it has funnels. <laughs> but the, they're called bits on the Sasabi, but they're funnels. And the <laughs> new Gundam has bits, but they're called funnels. Is anybody else confused? I no, mean, it has fin funnels. That's I, fine. That sounds like a tech company naming scheme to me. Anaheim Electronics is canonically playing both sides of the coin. Now introducing the new Funnel U. So we watched Phase 39 this week, Cure of the Skies. So this is a really confusing title for me, because he's not in the skies, really. Well, it kind of depends on how exactly you define skies, because if you're defining skies as everything above the planet, then he is in the sky. Yeah, low like, orbit is just high sky. He's just <laughs> He's just only in the skies, even by that definition, for like... I don't know, two minutes of the episode? It's not very long. It's most of the episode he's in the sky. And then he goes up, he kicks mass, and the episode ends. That's it. Uh, before we get to the episode, though, there's something I wanted to talk about as a general point, because it's something Zach and I have talked about Gundam Seed for a while, and it's now relevant, and he hasn't gotten a chance to express this opinion, which may have changed based on what he's talked about in the past ones which is Shin and Luna's relationship. So what do you think about that at this point, Tyler, since it's not showing up this episode? I feel like it isn't. Does that become a thing? I mean, they made out that one time. Yeah, and I felt like they both kind of regretted it. It felt like, oh, sorry, we were just both doped up on teenage hormones. And I don't oh, know. It felt like it ended awkwardly and like neither of them like was going to pursue that anymore. 
you want to save your opinion for later, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I I don't remember, like, in my head, that relationship was a lot more, number one, explicit. Like, I remember what you were talking about, where, like, when he he goes and tells Luna that he killed Mehran. The scene that seems to be missing and no one can find. Yeah, in, what is it, uh, Mandela Effect? Yeah. See Destiny. And I remember how the thing ends, and that might be one of the reasons why it's stuck in my head like that, because... From the beginning, in my head, Luna and Shin were like on the verge of being an item, and then that. But happens. on this view, on this viewing, it's like, no, no, it's like they're they're just friends. And I th- like I read that scene, unless fucking this show goes and does something else with it, as two teenagers who are like really emotional. And then they kiss, and they're both like, huh, that was a mistake. Let's not do that again. Uh, and that's how that scene read to me. I didn't get that feeling watching that scene, but you're also the one that's had a relationship, so maybe that's one of the reasons. <laughs> like, neither of them seemed to be, like, super into it, and neither, like, they were, like, not making anything resembling eye contact even before Ray walked into the room. Well, it's already like, awkward as hell, that- since you're... It's, I guess that's my point. It's the starting point is I killed your sister. I'm going to try not to get you killed. That is the worst kiss, I think, chaotically. <laughs> I feel like if Atherin and Lacus kissed, it would have more chemistry than that. They're at least friends, right? Like, well, yeah. Luna and Shin are also Yeah, I guess friends. Luna and Shin are friends. It's weird because they don't do a whole lot of, like, telling you. Like, they don't share a lot of screen time together being friends, but they clearly have a rapport. Yeah, so. from earlier before Atherin shows, and I, yeah, I it's think like that's it's another... like how real friendships work. Really, like you don't need to talk all the time because you've like known each other for a while. You're not constantly having flashbacks to that one time there were rose petals and he gave you a birdie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like exactly. They might have needed to go into a little bit more detail of Luna Maria being a part of that group because we do kind of see it with Shin spending time with Ray. They're but also we don't roommates. Really but we don't get a lot of time with him spending time with Luna outside of that. Like, there's brief scenes where they happen to be in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. But, like, they don't spend a lot of time, like, going out and getting lunch as friends or something like that. Like, let's run down to the store and grab McDonald's or something like that. But they that. do sometimes, just not very often. Well, usually when that kind of thing happens, they just happen to be on screen at the same time. I don't know that there's actually... Is there a they- scene where Shin and Luna are alone together before? For this relationship stuff. Alone together, yes, but only very briefly. It's while they're in the lounge and then other people walk in. But, like, they walked in shortly before some other people and were, like, chatting and then other people, like, came in after them. I'll believe you. I just don't really remember it. I don't think they do a good job of presenting them as actual friends. I feel like they come off that way just in, like, how they interact with each other. They're way more familiar than just, like, two people who have gone to military school together would be. It is a thing where, as I've talked about before, Gundam Seed is incredibly efficient with its character, and Destiny is not as much, which to some degree is just that Seed is really, really good at it, so... It's hard to approach that, and Destiny's got a lot more characters it has to service. I think it's mostly because Luna Maria keeps getting sidelined. I think that doesn't help. So yeah. it makes it feel a lot less like she's because she doesn't get as much screen time in the battles or anything like that, and she's supposed to have ostensibly the same rank Shin does. Also, because they always end up on the same position on the Minerva, basically. I put her on the same level as Ray, basically, and they uh, seem to have the same efficacy. Well, all so. three of them are supposed to be the same rank, because they're yeah. all reds. But Shin is the super ace sword silhouette! I was trying to find that scene you were talking about, where he, like, tells 
her that he killed Mayrin, and I just, it's nowhere. I don't think it exists, except for in my head, and on the Wikipedia page about Gundam Seed Destiny. I did It accident- obviously exists in my head, too. I accidentally stumbled onto the TV Tropes page about it, but I didn't actually manage to spoil anything for myself, other than people were like, how is Luna a red shirt if she's such a bad shot? And everyone's like, she's not really that bad a shot? Well, a lot of times we see her hitting things, but... She's going to miss a very important shot shortly. (laughs) Well, I mean, that happens all the time. The other thing I wanted to talk about is how did you like this episode, Tyler? It's okay. It's very similar to Kira getting the freedom for the first time. At least at the back half, it's like very like uber power fantasy. It's got more nuance to it, though. I don't know. I'm mixed. I'd probably give it like a 7 out of 10. A lot of people point to this episode and say, this is where Destiny crosses the line it can't come back from. (laughs) Is my response to that. I think Destiny crossed the line a while ago. It's had some good episodes recently. Like, the last couple have been pretty good, but it has not done any of the setup necessary to, like, go anywhere yet. Honestly, I think it mainly crosses that final line when uh, Durundle gives his speech and they don't give us any indication from from the, uh, the good guys as to why this is going to be a bad thing. Yeah, um, I think Durandal giving the speech also, I think, is where, and, like, just the entire world is like, yeah, that seems cool. Like, it's simultaneously very believable, but also completely unbelievable. Well, I think when we talked about that episode, if they'd done more in the way of expressing why the main characters are saying this is going to be a bad thing, it would have helped out a lot more, because right now we're still operating on the side of, like, even in this episode, they talk about how Durandal's going to do this thing, and it's bad, but you're listening to him going, you haven't told me why him making everybody under the same government is going to be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, but if we make it clear, then Shin and Ray and Mir look like idiots. I mean, they kind of are. <laughs> That's the Good secret. people can be duped by evil leaders. It's happened in, in the past before. Ray's been brainwashed since birth, basically. Shin's a gullible teenager, and Luna's just kind of there. She's just following orders. I don't think she's really put a lot of thought into this yet. Well, and like, uh, Luna and Maria hasn't really been... The few instances where things might have been bad, like Atherin kidnapped Mayrin. Kid- not kidnapped, but Atherin and Mayrin were betraying us. Like, that's the closest thing that we've come to that. And they told her the lie of they betrayed us. And so everything she's heard, it all sounds fine. She doesn't have a reason to look deeper than that. And like you said, Shin's kind of a gullible teen. And he's also not really been given a reason to look deeper. And you know, Ray's just brainwashed. And Ray's just brainwashed. You know what's actually really sad about this from Luna's perspective is we actually just got a scene the episode before that of Luna and Mayrin just like having lunch together and chatting. Mm-hmm. Well, like Luna's clearly going off on some random gossip or something. And that was the last time she saw her sister. Yep. Well, actually, the last time she saw her sister was when she walked there and walked, trying to uh, search Mayrin's room. And that was the last time Mayrin was seen alive. Yep. Oh, I guess Ray saw her. And that was the last time Mayron was seen alive. Well, then uh, Kigali saw her. And that was the last time Mayron was seen alive. I imagine she's going to die eventually. To circle back, I really like this episode only on a power fantasy thing. I think the last bit is like the last five minutes in particular are maybe the strongest bit of power fantasy in Seed or Destiny. I think the HD remake does it kind of a disservice, which we'll talk about later. This is the episode that's by far the most changed and edited of any so far. I mean, we'll get there. I really like how he uses a strike. That's hilarious to me. Or I like the power fantasy part of it, but also I think it's way more your jam than it is mine. That's fair. I, I mostly like how like trivial everything is. And that once he gets a 
machine to match his capabilities. And I think one of the reasons people think this is the point of no return is Kira pretty much does not struggle after this episode. He wasn't really struggling before. But he is got the shot problem. down. He because was struggling he was trying- in select like points where this plot required Kira to struggle, he was struggling, but he wasn't struggling to succeed on basically anything. And he couldn't convince Atherin, hey, Durundal is sus. Think he might be the imposter, Atherin. Uh, but I'll agree with you. I, I think the biggest problem with Destiny is Kira has no discernible arc at all. And so as the series shifts more and more towards him, he becomes more and more of this boring uh, Jesus figure. And he's my favorite character in fiction, so I don't want to say that bad things about him. Well, his, his arc early on is basically him deciding to get back in the mobile suit which yes. and, and fight again, which works fine as a side arc, but that's also a short thing the the problem is it's been resolved for so long yeah and there is sort of a bow put on it at the end of the series and i really kind of like like if you just extrapolate kira's arc in this series as like a paragraph of this is what he goes through it sounds great but if you go through it and you see all the steps and how they're basically his girlfriend gets shot he decides to start shooting a gun and then he makes a decision later it's you know the pacing on it is terrible i also i think it is slightly better because of derundle's speech about Atherin and Kira being unfortunates because they're not living up to their full potential. And, like, Kira is, he just needed a reason to. Yes. And I really want to talk about the last scene of Destiny now, but we have yeah, 11 we have episodes to go, so. It's, man, uh, we're coming up on it. Man, yeah. I am super excited for the end of Destiny, as weird as it sounds, but that's because I've been sitting on a really stupid joke for the last six years. I know, yeah, you've mentioned it, like, twice before. But... Oh, no, I've I've uphyped this joke so much that when I finally make it, everyone's gonna be like, I have that's a way to the, save joke the joke you've been sitting on for this long? I have a way long? to save the joke. All right, so we are going to watch Phase 39, Cure of the Sky. You can watch along on Crunchyroll or YouTube or Hulu or the DVDs or wherever you get Gundam Seed Destiny. And like I said, I like this episode, so I recommend you do. We start at the Mendel Colony, remember that? From forever ago. That's the Joker's Lair. But apparently it has completely lost atmosphere since everything's floating now. There were a lot of explosions. Yeah, there was a battle there and it already seemed to be in pretty rough shape. Also, the Joker's been hiding out here for two years. You gotta imagine that some weird stuff went on. And DaCosta will make comments about this. Hey, it's DaCosta! He's in this episode. I like that it actually opens with DaCosta. He's got a book, and he's like, ah. I like that they went back to DaCosta doing this, because this is something we know he's done in the past. So, like, this is the character that was all... Like, he's definitely on the C tier in Destiny. Or not in Destiny, in C. But bringing him back instead of having this be somebody else... Yeah, like I said, DaCosta is the character I think of when you say, oh, yeah, he's that one guy in that show. Like, you did that it, one. Like him and Helmsman, I think. Yeah, okay. But, you know, you had Sergeant Johnny in that one D&D campaign. Yeah, yeah. I always pictured him as just being DaCosta. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's pretty good. I can get behind that. I feel like Sergeant Johnny might have been accidentally more competent than DaCosta, but... DaCosta is incredibly competent until this episode. Remember that time he murdered everybody in the stands? Yeah. Watching Lacus and Atherin talk? Even in this episode, I don't even necessarily think DaCosta is incompetent. Walt Felt kind of treats him like he is. He does treat him like I he think is, that's just but Walt Felt. at the same time, Lacus is kind of like, no, he's not. Yeah. Like, I think it's just Walt Felt messing with DaCosta because they've had a relation. They, they've been together for a long time. We'll get like, there. Like, that definitely seems more like, they like a friendship. Together. Like, that, that seems more like a friendship just messing with each other. And the initial reaction makes a lot of sense, which obviously we'll get to. So we get a uh, shot outside of the colony where there's a recon gin watching him. Yep. Remember that thing? Yeah, I do. 
It's got a nice ominous mono eye. Cut to the Eternal, where Lacus is updating her blog. Uh, this doesn't have any viewers now that she's no longer verified on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and Walthall calls her and says, like, hey, Lacus, she's like, yeah, what is it, Dad? And he's like, hey, remember when you said if Heaven Ball if heaven's base were to fall orb would be next and she's like yeah i did say that wait a minute what they took it already and he's like yep it's like well i better get to the bridge so she space flies up well it makes sense because they probably have a better connection up there but walt felt is like i like all the other characters do not understand why durendal is a bad person so why is orb next and she's like because orb is a powerful nation in both strengths of and ideals and we get our two seconds of ghost dad for this episode hi ghost dad it must have just really felt like he appeared a lot more often or the HD version cut him cut out, out a, a lot more. of him. Yeah, it's possible. He's like, but given what Durundle's trying to do, that's just an obstacle. And Waltfeld's like, so what's Durundle trying to do? And Lack is like, I don't know, but my omniscient powers and Mary Sunis means I'm slowly figuring it out. Don't worry, I have access to the script. We then see Durundle's file, and he was born on 9-11, and I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think it's important, but I don't think <laughs> it's a coincidence. Yeah, I was looking at that, and it didn't even occur to me as I was, like, staring at the date. I was um, more... It's also possible it's supposed to be November 9th. Uh, because reverse. that's European I, dates. I'm pretty sure are Japanese. You sure? I'm, not sh- I, I'm just not sure if the Japanese use the reverse date either. This is why you always do year, month, day. It's not ambiguous that way. No, we're American. You do month, day, year. That's how you always do it. (laughs) Because we're American. Um, I'm an engineer, so I use understandable things. (laughs) I'm American, so I use whatever the hell I feel like, and everybody needs to understand me. My nationality is engineer. I have defected to the nation of engineering. I just happen to reside in America currently. (laughs) I've got my dual citizenship. So she's like, I believe that the chairman is trying to create a new world order where the plants and earth will be united. Why why is that a bad thing? (laughs) We'll find some information shortly when Takasa gets back, and I have a theory about this, and I want you guys to vet that for me. I would love to hear your theory. (laughs) I would love to shoot down your theory. And she's like, hey, maybe this is all just a prelude to whatever the chairman is planning. And then we get some shots of the terrorists that brought down Junius 7, which is the only time that it will be somewhat implied that maybe that was an inside job. Oh, okay, that so that's who that, who that was. All right. I was I saw that and was like, I don't know who that is. I, I think like, I'm supposed to know, but. I feel like it was somewhat implied that it was an inside job when it was happening. No, it, see, the thing is, it wasn't. It, it really didn't feel like it was an, it's supposed to be an inside job. I got the impression that Durundle was, if not directly aiding them, like, oh no, it's always been my headcanon that Durundle was involved in that somehow, because he was really cagey about it. I don't feel like that. I, I definitely feel like that was a outside of thing. I think this is the uh, the writers realizing that they need a way to make Durundle seem like a bad guy, so they're going to do the uh, false flag operation there. It, oh no, I always read it as Durundle was involved in that somehow, I just didn't know how. And I've always been on Zack's side, but this is the one tiny piece of evidence that maybe not. But even this is lack of speculating that yeah. maybe not. One of the reasons why is because everything got started because of the attack by Logos to begin with. Yeah, and there's no way Durundle could have been involved with that, with the stealing of the Gundams. Oh, okay. And the only reason why the world itself wasn't completely destroyed was because the Minerva happened to be close enough because they were chasing Logos. So, that ties into my theory, though. So, we'll get there. So then we get the opening, which is Vestige. Just a little bit of background on this opening before we get into it. This is the opening that was created for the Final Plus episode, which was released the Christmas after Destiny finished to 
add more content to the last episode after it was very disappointing. Vestige was a song that was used as an insert song in the original Gundam Seed Destiny. It is taken out of the HD version. In fact, this is a very happy coincidence. It's not why I pushed back uh, talking about this opening, but this is the first episode where it was used originally during the Strike Freedom's first launch. And I think that power fantasy is way better when this is playing over it than... I agree, actually. Honestly, I don't remember it as the insert song, but just as an opening song, especially with all the ones that we've had before. I honestly think it's too slow for the series. It is by... I, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like, especially for what the opening is like showing, it feels too. It feels like an ending song, not an opening song. It weirdly hit for me on this. Actually, like I don't know. It made the entire thing feel like just really somber. It made it feel like a different type of anime than it actually is. Well, but that's the issue: is that it, the opening song is supposed to get you hyped for the episode, and in this case, it's getting me hyped for a different series. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I feel like the different series that it's getting me hyped for is like either a slice of life or like some sort of weird political intrigue. And this show is kind of one of those things. Yeah, especially going forward, there's going to be a lot more political intrigue. I'm in a weird spot where I completely agree with Zach. I think this is way too somber and slow for an opening, but I think it really, really works to emphasize action as an insert song. It is by TM Revolution, who has done two openings already. They did the first opening of Gundam Seed Invoke and the first opening of destiny ignited which are both very different starts of songs they also did Needior, which was the insert song for gundam seed it played most notably to me when the freedom first shows up it played a few other times during that series too so i've always kind of equated this song to meteor even though it's more downbeat than that as well yeah like i said i like it and it like I said, it works really well to punctuate action just weirdly not as an opening like it works well when stuff is going on but not the opening i feel like we need something faster but that could also be that we've kind of been conditioned to that because every opening in gundam seed and destiny has been fast yeah and like not just fast but like super high energy yeah whereas like i said wings of words is also a super high departure from that so we start on an extreme close-up of the strike freedom's head and then slowly pull out to also see it with another gundam and just the saddest stillest shots of kira and atherin you can imagine that look like they have been photoshopped pasted over the legs of these mobile I, suits. I, I don't necessarily think they really are like look sad it's more of like it's more somber than actually sad we like, then, yes i'm going to kick your ass but <laughs> i'm not going to feel good about it we then get the same title shot as we've had for the last two openings with the title over the strike freedom uh, i like this shot of shin and luna maria cuz shin's got the phone again and he looks legit demonic in that shot too. <laughs> he looks he definitely looks like he's regressed back to the fir- back to how he was at the beginning of the series. Which is kind of where he is, but he took a weird path to get there. So we then have a weird shot of Durundle over some clone tanks, and it looks like Ray and Rao have been photoshopped over him drifting away. Well, this is th- this is the same shot of Durundle that we've gotten before, but it was Neo and Ray before this. Then we, we've got the return of boob bounce from the fourth <laughs> opening of Gundam Seed. Oh my god, that's so bad. So this is how Moo survived. It was boner power all along. It was the pillows? Yeah, he he's he just slammed into them and they stopped his uh, acceleration. Uh, Neo and Maru have been uh, pasted to the side of this. Then we get this shot that I always forget is actually in this opening and not just the picture on DeviantArt. <laughs> I, I, now uh. under, I saw this scene 
And I'm like, I bet this is that one th- thing that Jeremy always talks about. That was the one that I, I watched it to. I'm like, <laughs> Jeremy said I would know which one it is. I wonder if he's right about that. And, oh, no, this is probably it. Yep. <laughs> so this is a naked Lacus and naked Kirayamato pressing against one another. Luckily, Lacus is in the middle of her magical girl transformation, so a bunch of ribbons are covering all the naughty bits. If you're wondering if there are DeviantArt pictures where the ribbons have been moved slightly, can confirm. Superinfosed in front of it are Kigali and Atherin slowly reaching for each other, and they manage to touch hands, while Kira and Lacus manage to touch a lot more. Uh, we have that shot I always talk about of Lacus looking at the camera, as well as Tyler's favorite bra shot of Kigali, which somehow still feels way more out of place than the one of Lacus covered it's because in because the art style is weird. I think it's also because, like, that is obviously in, like, a very stylized thing. This l- just looks like Kigali is barely dressed on literally a battlefield. Yeah, yeah Lacus is, looks like she's from Sailor Moon. This looks like the cover of a romance novel. It does, yes. yes. Well, because you got Athrun walking away, there's Kisaka with a gun, the Minerva's in the background. Why is the Minerva in the background? This really feels like they recycled a scene, because it, this doesn't fit here anymore. Yeah, because Athrun is walking to the Savior, which, as we know, is blown up. There's the Lacus and Mirror shot, and then the Shin running from the third opening with naked people. <laughs> I actually choose to interpret that as Shin running away from the third opening. <laughs> Uh, we have everybody with their guns again. Athrin and Kira don't have guns. Kira doesn't believe in guns. And I, yeah, the, the characters that don't really shoot to kill don't have guns. Because Lacus doesn't have one either. She doesn't need a gun. She's just got a knife up her sleeve. Why <laughs> is there a shot of Weston Flues? He's been <laughs> dead for most of the series. Because they just love Heine Weston Flues. They just love him. And he's not, he's not in the final plus episode. He's not in any episode with this opening. He's very dead. But here he is. There's also Isaac and Diarca. So I went and watched uh, a couple random videos by Kakarot197 that is, in fact, the correct combination of random numbers. And there's one where he gets his German girlfriend to, like, be aghast at all the German names they use in this. And they're like, why are they saying them this way? What are they doing? <laughs> More naked Kira and Lacus this time in front of the Freedom. We've got the photoshopped Bond girl picture. Got naked Luna and Shin in front of the Destiny. Very wistful teenage-looking Gilbert and naked uh, Gladius. Gladius, not Gladius. Yeah. She's not a sword. She could be. We, naked Gladiola, we get a, the best flower. Uh, it's a very short scene of the Destiny charging the Psycho. The Destroy, but yes. Destroy, what, the same goddamn thing. Double Destroy. It's been in the previous two openings, but I really think that in the previous opening, I made a point of how Ray is on the other side of that, and he's not anymore. And I really think at some point it was planned for Shin and Ray to have a confrontation that does not occur in Destiny. And that's why it's removed. I could see it's that. possible. As, like, Shin starts slowly to side with Atherin, even though he's been on Ray's side the entire time, mm-hmm. that would have been a much more satisfying arc. Well, the voice actor for Shin Asuka has said a number of times that he prefers Shin's storyline in the Super Robot Wars games and considers that the true Shin. And what happens in those is that Shin and Luna Maria, when they find out Atherin's still alive, are like, I don't know if we can trust the chairman or not. We should go over and side with them. And if the chairman's a good guy, then we'll, it'll all work out. And Ray's like, well, I disown you. I have to kill you now, Shin. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound like a better story arc. But then if you make sure that you only ever shoot down Ray with Shin, you can eventually recruit him. Uh, we get naked Shin flying into the destiny. I actually quite like that shot. Uh, we then get some battle shots. Spoiler from the penultimate episode of the Strike Freedom fighting the legend, the thing, and another Gundam fighting the destiny. Before we get the same shot of the three main characters looking very sad in front of their mobile suits with Kira front and center. 
I mean, Atherin actually almost looks like he's smiling. So, like I said, I think I still think Atherin. They're all very somber. neutral. Well, his chin looks sad to me. Maybe it's just the angle I'm at. Everyone looked like they were smirking. So we begin at the end of the battle at Heaven's Base, where we see a bunch of Earth forces surrendering, and Zaf talking about clearing booby traps and getting medical officers here. Someone called for a hygienic officer, and I think that might be a. Uh... Subtitle error. Cut to Shen, who's like, what? Jabril's nowhere to be found. Why? No way. And Ray's like, he seems to have secretly escaped moments before the base surrendered. If only there was some sort of submarine we could attract. He deserted all the other members of Logos, who I presume is how we got this information. Uh, Durundle is like, ah, what a troublemaker that Jabril is. That Dennis the Menace. Yeah, always. it was just like finger wagging. I can't believe they thought <laughs> that Jabril would do anything other than just abandon them. I like that he's like, what does he expect to do that he hasn't done already? I like when he's talking about that. It cuts to Jabril on board a uh, private jet private jet landing. If I'm correct, they're landing at Orb. Yeah. That's definitely the implication is that he's landing there. Because we see Yuna and his dad waiting for the plane. As Durundle is like, I hope he didn't go to Panama or Victoria, which I presume is because they have mass drivers. That kind of creates a hole this episode where... I feel like Jabril could afford a rocket ship if he just wanted to escape Earth. I know why the Earth Force's last uh, series needed one. I presume that was because cost, it's much easier and faster to use one of those than to strap rockets to all your ships. But if you just need one man to get to space, as we'll see in this episode, you can just strap <laughs> rockets to him the old-fashioned way yeah, and like, launch him. Well, and I mean, Jabril's it's, it's, rich, yeah, right? He's rich, but he also still may not have the equipment like on hand. And no one's going to sell it to him, necessarily. I'm so, sure he could sweet-talk the President of the United States. I mean, I just feel like Jabril, what we've been presented with so far, should have had that kind of escape plan already in place. I guess this was his plan, though, to go to Orb, where they do have a mass driver. I, I presume they've rebuilt that. They must have, right? Uh, yeah, they I must have. I don't have. think we've ever, we're ever told that, but they must have. So, like, this won't be an easy ending after all. And Shin's like, yes, it will be. I'll kill him myself next time. As he crushes his can of coffee. Which Man, is definitely a reuse shot. And then Mario's like, damn, you're angry. Cut to the Archangel. And Kira just kind of staring at it awkwardly while Maru tells Murdoch how to fix it. Because she's the supervisor. Well, she also <laughs> built it in yeah. the first place. Yes, it makes sense. And I actually really love this mom scene that Maru and Kira get to have. Yeah, me too. Where he's like, hey, so how are repairs? And she's like, well, we got the shit kicked out of us and literally detonated one of our engines. So it's going to take a minute. But we can fix it. Everyone's putting their best into it by the power of friendship. I like uh, this guy over here is definitely just being asked on a date. And he's like, okay, well, I wasn't expecting that. We need to. <laughs> I-, I love Millie with coffee cup. <laughs> yep. She's one hand tied fiend with a coffee mug. And Samira's like, what's wrong? Are you tired? Or, oh, I bet you're feeling restless. That sounds like you. And he's like, no, I just, you know, Gundams are a metaphor for power now. And I don't have one. So I don't have any agency. Remember how I took it away from Atherin? Look what happened to him. It was like he wasn't a main character anymore. I'm not like, a main character anymore. I do like how, I believe it's Kira says, um, I might, I have to admit I'm scared. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't think he's ever really said that before. And then he comes up with the, but I, right now I'm, I can't do anything. I won't be able to protect anyway. And Murray's like, don't worry, Lacus will be back soon. And I'm sure she'll have another nuclear Gundam she spent her pop millions on for you. She'll get you another Ferrari to wreck. Where did she get this one? Out yes. of from the factory. Okay. Yes, I told you about Lacus Klein's secret StarCraft factory. Yeah, I She guess. lifted it off at the end of the last war and floated it off into a corner. Found a bunch of Vespine gas. Yeah. I remember winning a game by doing that. 
I managed to uh, lift off a bunch of stuff and basically win by hit and run attacks with uh, Vikings. So she's like, so cheer up, hang in there. It'll all be great. Meanwhile, Neo is watching TV in the sick bay where they're just talking about the surrendering of Logos and Atherin is overhearing it and sighing. I like that they finally put up the separation screens. Kakali Oxen is like, oh, you're awake. Are you feeling all right? And he's like, yeah, I feel like I want to die. Mood. But <laughs> Kigali rightly says, hey, nobody likes when you talk that way. Remember that time you tried to kill yourself and I literally punched you into my Gundam so you wouldn't? He says, unfortunately, I seem to be fine. I kind of want to go back and like do a re-edit of that scene where she uh, love, love Tenki Okins him into it <laughs> instead. So he's like, how's Mayrin? And she's like, well, she's better than you. She's got a fever, but she woke up and Marielia talked to her. Well, I mean, comms officer to comms officer. Why is she running a... Like, wasn't she doing better than Athrin? It's that natural fever that kicks in when you get elevated from the C-tier cast. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm pretty sure Athrin also has a fever. Because later in this episode, he definitely has a moment where he's like, thanks, Moo. Oh, wait a minute. I don't don't think think he'd actually seen Moo up till that Because he was, like, delirious when anyone else was mentioning it last time. Yeah, well, that's why I'm saying. I think Athrin probably also has a fever. Well, I don't think anybody actually mentioned it the last time he was conscious. And so she's like, she was the controller of the Minerva, right? I guess Muriela found that out and told me. Kigali was on the Minerva when... Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. was doing that, so... I forgot about that. That's true. She would have known that. And Athens like, yeah, she saved my life by ta- by taking out her boobs. Yeah, and uh, I've barely. I said, I love how he's like, I've hardly ever spoken to her. Like he he points that out. Like I don't know why she helped me. Yeah, I've never talked to her. And he's clearly feeling down on himself for letting her help him. And I like guys like, oh, she has a crush on you. <laughs> don't worry, I will get her a fake name and a fake seaside house like everyone else personally. I'll see to it that she's taken care of properly, which means she'll a get seaside the, house, a car, a name. She'll get the Three Ships Alliance retirement plan. Yeah. <laughs> they have such a good pension plan, it's worth defecting. So, do you think that each member of the Three Ships Alliance has gotten something like that? But depending on your rank, you've just gotten a, a house slightly farther away from the sea? Yeah, yeah what are Helmsman and Curly Hair's living situation? Well, we know Murdoch was, like, living in an apartment somewhere. Do we, so. I remember him having a job, but I don't remember seeing his Well, and he yeah, and Helmsman met up together, but I don't think they were, like, living near each yeah. other. I think they just, like, rendezvoused. And obviously, uh, Maru and Waltfeld have that nice seaside Or living house. in, like, some seaside like a, cottage or that's something. Like, I think that's an Orb government mansion, how big it is, and the, only the two of them were living there. And, like, Kira's family moved in after their house exploded. Well, actually, I think it got flooded and yeah. then blew up. Yay, our house is destroyed! <laughs> I miss those kids. <laughs> After rewatching the original Gundam, there need to be more kids just on board to repel people with machine guns. Uh, so Kigali's like, okay, serious talk time. Will you forgive me? Uh, I, I love how Lacus's response is, I should be asking you to forgive yep, me. Yep, Lacus popped in and she's <laughs> like, I agree, Kigali. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to, I, I am trying to figure out what Kigali and Lacus would be asking for forgiveness from one another for now. Clearly, Kigali ate the last oh. of Lacus's Kiramisu. It's definitely that just that one mission in, I want to say Dynasty Warriors Gundam 3, but it might be Reborn. Where Kigali shows up and is mad at Lacus for taking all the boys because she's in a relationship with Athrun and Kira. <laughs> Until Lacus explains, nah, you can have Athrun, it's fine. You have to pick one. I reject. I was going to say, <laughs> polygamy, polygamy isn't allowed until iron-blooded orphans. So anyway, yeah, Athrun's like, I should be asking you for that and apologizing. 
Kira tried to tell me what was going on at Crete, and I was really stupid in hindsight. I don't even know what I was thinking. <laughs> and Kigali's response is, but I tried to get married, and Kira stopped that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, it's a good thing we have Kira around, Tim. <laughs> to stop us from being stupid. Even though he's really bad with social situations, he seems to have a better handle on it than we do. We should get him, like, a nice plant or something. No, you know what it is? Get is him a good aloe. <laughs> Kira is in a relationship with Lacus, obviously. Yeah. And because they're in a relationship, their support level is so uh, that's high. That's exactly what I was going to say. That he gets buffs to his <laughs> charisma and all of his social stats. Checks out. I'm looking at the math. Can confirm. But And you notice how he hasn't done a whole lot of social stuff ever since Lacus went off to space. It well, tracks. The one time he really did try to do something that was a social thing, which was get Atherin back after Lacus. He failed. There. He failed. Yep. See? Without even telling you. And while still wearing this ring I'm playing with. Technically, she wasn't wearing the ring when yeah. she tried to get yes. married. Kira kidnapped her and then gave it back. Yeah. And Athens like, he just wanted to protect Orb, right? Like, I'd probably have done the same thing. I love how throughout all of this, they, it flashes to Moo, who's sitting in the, like, in his screened off bed. Like, I really feel, and he's got this expression, like, I feel like I should leave. But I'm also tied here. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be listening to this. This uh, feels really awkward. Also, not Moo, Captain Roanoke. Right, right, that comes up again. I do kind of like this speech parallel to the one Kira gave, but they both seem a little hollow, just because Gundams aren't metaphors for anything in Destiny, I don't feel like. <laughs> like, they're trying to go through the what it costs to obtain power to change, and like, needing to sell your soul and you join a political faction, right? It's kind of a metaphor for voting along party lines, because otherwise your vote is wasted. But it doesn't do a great job of exploring the territory. In part because they remedy it so quickly. Like, Kira is out of a mobile suit for, in terms of his screen time, one episode. Yeah. And it's this one. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really not sure how long has passed between that and now. Because I kind of get the feeling it's longer than it seems. I think it, it's supposed to be at least a week. My guess would be two. Yeah, because, like, how long does it take Zaf to gather that coalition forth and then sail it to Heaven's Base? Well, I, like, I, definitely not, say, like, two days. I think they so. said that it was about a week from where they shot Kira down to the muster point for that group. But I don't know. And part of it is Destiny is doing absolutely nothing to tell us how long has passed. And to be fair, neither did Seed, really. It just never, I never cared as much. It didn't matter as much in Seed how much time had I passed. I agree, yeah. Like, how much time passes between Alaska and the Battle of Orb? Eh. eh. Some. Well, in part of that works because they flash through a couple of other instances of stuff going on in the outside world. But it's also not that important as to how much time exactly went past. But here, it kind of does matter to know how long these characters have been sidelined for this particular episode to really work. Because as far as we can see, Kira's only been sidelined for a day. Whereas Atherin like, spent that whole time on the Minerva, he had to borrow a Zaku. What's a Zaku gonna do? Not stop terrorists. That's a Zaku, boy. Anyway. And he had to steal a goof to run away. That's no Zaku, boy. I do wish we got Kira in a regular mobile suit for a bit. We get Atherin, like, going through the gambit of Zaft regular mobile suits. I want to see Kira in a Wyndham for an episode. Uh, I mean, he gets in a strike that's basically a regular-ass <laughs> mobile suit at this point. I don't know. I think the strike is still, well, I guess the strike rouge, technically. I think it's still a bit higher in terms of spec on its own. Especially with the fancy pack they give it in the HD remaster. As opposed to, like, it's probably still higher spec than the Zaku's on its own, but 
it's not to the level of the of the Gundams anymore. The new Gundams, but yeah. not the new Gundam. So Atherin confesses that he couldn't stand feeling powerless and just being Kigali's bodyguard while she was managing a nation. He just felt like he was hanging out, not doing anything, looking at some porn. I mean, to be fair, he was looking at some porn. And then the world blew up because of his dad's ideals and he wanted to do something. And the only way he could try was by teaming up with Gilbert. And Neo's like, oh shit, I had a part of that. And Kigali's like, yeah, I know that. But we still hurt each other by trying to get married and defecting to Zaft. And everyone says that they just want to stop it, but it's just still happening. It's like, I wish it was all Logos' fault. It's not. And then Atherin actually flashes to Durundle. Might I present human nature and human history? Well, and God's like, is there really nothing we can do about it? And Atherin thinks of his apprentice Shin and how he's got a new master who kind of sucks. And... This is some awkward subtitles because Atherin says, no, I don't think so. No way. As if he's agreeing, we can't do anything about it. That's but, how I read it. But the way the dub says it is, we can't give up ever. We can't think that way. Okay. So I don't think you're right about that. Yeah. yeah it's just okay. uh, it's just kind of awkward subtitling. It might be literal subtitling, which is sometimes a problem. Cut to a shuttle, which is heading towards the camouflaged Eternal. And the castle's like, man, what a tiresome trip. It's the only thing I've done all series. I brought the suitcase back. There was no air. The Joker must have gone up to some shenanigans since the last time we were there. Anyway, I found these two journals and everything else was cleaned out. So I assume Durundle has sent people there to destroy it and get everything else. Probably recover rather than destroy, but... Well, I mean, destroy everything they couldn't recover. Yeah. Except for some handwritten-ass notebooks. And one of them is labeled P30N Notebook. But the end, I don't know, it's really awkward. End note, I'm sorry. But he's like, anyway, I looked through it and look here, I think this is relevant. It's written in red. Yeah, see, it's great. Uh, They are playing the pronoun game a little bit, but he says that it was likely written by one of his fellow researchers at the time, and they're definitely talking about Durundle. Yep. And so I presume Waltfeld is reading from the notebook as he says, gene manipulation possible? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Don't we already know that? This might be older notes. I don't know. I think so. If it's Durundle... They're talking about, we know Durundle is a... Geneticist. Is Number one, he's a geneticist, but we also know that he's a coordinator, which means they've already done gene manipulation. Well, what is this graph? I mean, this is all in English, so we're definitely not supposed to. This is just supposed to be text. But I do love that it's a line graph that has rat, rabbit, cat, horse, human, and turtle on it. So, turtle well, is the peak of evolution. Well, that's because that's it's the, the uh, y-axis on that graph is age. age yeah. I do like how up here we have what looks like ligation of DNA, but I've always been bad when it comes to cursive. I think I agree, though, and I was trying to understand what the hell that meant. I think this is recombinant DNA here. Yep, that's a real thing. And I kind of have read the first word. It's not written right, but as litigation, because we do know that coordinators and their DNA. Uh, Ligation is is like surgical extraction. Oh, okay. The the problem with saying litigation, which is what I was about to say, uh, is wrong because there's no T after the I. Objection! There's no T there. Also, drug resistance. Uh, Anyway, things that are actually relevant to the plot and not just randomly (laughs) scribbled in cursive is, at first glance, this destiny plan Durundle talks about looks to be very beneficial for the times we live in. However, we mustn't forget people do not live for the world. The world is a place for them to live. So, this leads directly into my theory and why I think it makes total sense that Durundle was going to colony drop. Basically, I just think he wants to wipe out all life on Earth, just reset everything, start over again. We get, like, some very idyllic Eden shots in one of the previous endings, and I don't know. It just really seems to track to me that Durundle's end plan is just destroy the everything, let's start over, we screwed up. 
Well, and that was Shar Aznable's plan. And you know has, well, who has the same voice actor as Shar Aznable. There is that. <laughs> Early on, Sorry, I, I thought you meant that read from him. I don't know. I've had that the entire time. So it's such a dumb plan. Yeah, his plan is, I don't know. We will get to his plan. 15-year-old Jeremy was like, why aren't we just doing Durundle's plan? It seems good to me. 31-year-old Jeremy has a much more nuanced view on it, but it's an interesting sci-fi concept. And by the time we get it, Gundam Seed Destiny has no time. Is it Psychic Assault? Do we go Eva? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I would say you're metaphorically very close to what he wants to do, but not literally close to what he wants to do. Get rid of coordinators? Get rid of He's, not coordinators. Tyler's current like idea for his plan is actually Master Asia's plan for G <laughs> yes, Gundam. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> look, look, it's a very Gundam trope. Like I said, it's Shar Aznable's plan and Shar's counterattack. Although that's more, God, we have fucked up the Earth so bad, we can leave it. Let's just leave it and let it fix itself for a while. That's also Master Asia's thing. Yeah. Is let's just wipe out all human yeah. life on the on this planet so the planet will fix itself. And I also assume that's Durundle's plan, except we haven't really seen that the Earth is in, like, peril. So The he's... Earth is probably in the best condition it's ever been in a Gundam series. Yeah, yeah that's well, what no, I'm thinking. Well, it's, no, it's, it's, it's in pretty good condition in turn A, and it's in pretty good condition in Wing. It's pretty bad since that colony drop happened. That's definitely worse. I think it was in better condition during Gundam Seed. But if I am reading this right, that was also Durundle's handiwork. Is it a Watchmen sort of situation? Was uh, Junius yeah, supposed yeah. to be the squid? Yeah, no. Like I said, the only bit of evidence we get that Durundle might have been involved with that is in this episode. It's never confirmed one way or the other. And I have always read it as that's him being like, this is my opportunity. Not something he engineered. That's fair. That's also kind of what I was thinking, is that he did not engineer the colony drop. It's not a false flag operation. He just took advantage of it. He just took it. advantage of it. Like, he had a Lacus Klein ready for that moment. Although, we'll find out that the timing of his Lacus Klein arriving is very convenient, so. And you know what they say about coincidence. Like I said, Durundle's plan to me is very interesting, and we get it kind of piecemeal. So Lacus is like, ah, so his plan has a name, but then the danger screen shows up. And they see the recon gins there, and it's shooting their cameras out. And Walfield's like, Dacasa, you idiot, you were followed. <laughs> I like the And it's like, expression. why is that my fault? It's like, I never roll ones. I'm always real good at my checks. Ask her how many people I murdered so she could talk to her ex-boyfriend that one time. And then uh, Walfield immediately reacts and says, get my Gaia ready. Which, where did you get a Gaia Gundam? And where did you get the cool paint job on it? And Lacus is like, wait, y'all have already checked in if he's here. Well, I mean, she's got a point because the only reason why it would show itself is if it had already checked in. And she's like, they must have been observing the Mendel colony. It was careless of me to send to Costa. I mean, to be fair, I would say that. So I read this also as like Dacasa is a professional operative and she knows that. So if he got tailed, it probably wasn't anything well, he was it, doing wrong. It's possible that he made a mistake. But also if she sent him somewhere without telling him it may be under observation, he also might not have been quite as he careful. Might, yeah. So, I was actually thinking of that one episode where she's like doing her pirate radio in that one house. And Takasa gets to the door and he's like, no one followed me? No one followed me? Good. I already had the door open, so it's a good thing no one followed me. Uh, so I'm actually kind of wondering if Takasa is just not very sneaky. He's good at everything else well, about I, being a spy. I think Takasa is like, he's good at it, but he was never trained as a spy. Like, he was Waltfeld's aide. Like, at best, he's a soldier, not a spy. <laughs> He's also uh, a tinkerer and a, a tailor. And a barista. <laughs> he, he's just been very good at it. He's been very lucky. Like my character in D&D &D who seems to roll really well on every check I'm not trained in. 
Uh, so DaCosta's like, I wouldn't say, and Altfeld puts him in a headlock and says, yeah, it's this guy's fault. He's the careless one, but that, that's one of the reasons why I read their relationship is more of a, uh, not necessarily Waltfeld blaming DaCosta, but more of a comfortable friendship. I agree. So Wackus is like, the machines here at the factory are still undergoing final adjustments, so if they attack us now, we're at a huge disadvantage. Did we get those glory shots in the original? Because yeah. I don't remember them. We've also already seen them. But yes, we did. Of the totally not doms? Yes. And she's like, let's leave Waltfeld right away. And he's like, what? And DaCosta's like, no way, they'll see us for sure. And she's like, they'll either attack us or they'll attack here. So we should be a decoy, basically. That's the best plan we can make. If the Eternal suddenly shows up, they will follow it. But Waltfeld's like, but we're not even equipped to take on a single ship. Which I guess means they're missiles, because that's the only thing they don't use in this coming (laughs) battle. Well, I think it's also a matter of they are not carrying enough mobile suits. Yeah, they don't have Also, the Nazca class are carrying multiple mobile suits on board. That's true. Because they basically just have Waltfeld. And also, like, Waltfeld pointing out these things is definitely the kind of thing you would expect him to do. He's bringing up reasonable objections to Lacus's idea. And he's like, there's no way we can win. She's like, I'm not trying to win. I'm trying to protect. He's like, that's awkwardly said, but I get what you're talking about. Waltfeld and DaCosta are both like, yeah, I mean, that's what we're doing here. We have to protect the people at the factory who helped us, as well as these notes we just stole. They're very important. My boyfriend needs to see Destiny Plan written in red and underlined. (laughs) He'll get it. Like if she keeps talking and Waltfeld and DaCosta are still in the same place. And she's like, in the worst case scenario, we'll send the two machines and the documents down to the Archangel. And Waltfeld's like, well, yep, that's a plan. All right. I've always enjoyed a hopeless cause. Per contact the terminal. I'll talk the factory myself. All right. I guess we've got the, uh, the, the, the naming committee from Crackdown. The three branches of the Lacus Klein government. The Eternal, the Factory, and the Terminal. There's got to be at least four, because then there's also the Boyfriend. Well, that's just the executive. The Kira. No, that, that's part of the Eternal branch. Yeah. yeah. Ah, okay. His giant death robot is on the Eternal. Fair point. And then we get the eye catch. Weirdly, the roles of the hosts on the show also come down to a kind of similar to the U.S. three-branch system. We have the legislative branch that is Jeremy that actually does all the real work. Me, I guess, the executive branch that just signs and stamps all the things he does. And Zach, who arbitrates for last time. I'm pretty sure that's that tracks 100%. Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to episode 39 with us. I have no new news, but if somehow you've missed the mid-spots on the last couple... Hey, we're recording some episodes on Evangelion, and they're going to be on our Patreon, and we started recording the first one last time we recorded, which would have been when we recorded the episode of Gundam after this one. So, that's convoluted, I'm sure. If you don't follow our internal timeline, it's convoluted for me, and I am on that timeline. I don't think we have anything else this week other than, like, some cool robot fights to go watch. So, hey, please remember to rate us on iTunes. If you haven't, it means a ton to us to be able to share this with people. And that is what helps us do that thing. All right, let's go see how the gang gets out of this mess. I'm guessing some Scooby shenanigans. We get another shot of the doms, but they can't be used. They're Unit 1, Unit 4, and Unit 9. Obviously. And after the Eternal takes off, the factory will switch to silent mode. So it's a stealth factory. I did notice the horror when I was watching this, going, no problem, no problem, all systems green, it's fine. Discard camouflage, which just which means is a rock. dump a bunch of rocks. I do like that the top of the Eternal sticking out, and it kind of looks like a Zaku head. It's a good shot. And Lacus gives the order to launch. 
It looks like the Eternal has actually had more guns installed since the last war. It's I, got the meteors on it, and it's always had those, but they're very prominent in that shot. Well, it looks like it has some in the front. Too. Yeah, those are the meteors. Oh, they are? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was thinking the same thing, because those are like some pretty impressive guns. See those there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those are the meteors. Can the Eternal use those yep. for extra propulsion? No, no, they can. Well, I don't see why. They use them as gun turrets. I don't see why you couldn't use them as... Also, extra jets. Well, for depends on where their jets are because if they're stored, yeah, they're going to stored in a, in a specific way. They could just melt the hull. Yeah. Cut to a shot of the Strike Rouge, which Kira is looking at on a at walk. Kira's working on it. Yeah, and uh, Maru is like Kira to the bridge immediately. We got word from Terminal that the Eternal is launching, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh shit, that's not good." They've been found by Zaft, and I do love that Kira has no time for this elevator and jumps over it. As, like, Murdoch is like, okay. And Atherin's like, that's where my ex-girlfriend hangs out. Meanwhile, we cut to Captain Beardu, Captain Beardo's <laughs> long-lost brother, <laughs> aboard a Nazca-class ship, who's like, the Eternal? Who expected that to show up? What kind of terrorists are we dealing with? The Lacus Klein ones. Maybe you should ship, not. They came across a ship that went missing in the commotion of the end of the last war. So I guess they just kind of snuck away with it. Yeah. No one was paying attention where one of the most heavily armed battleships was going. I don't think the Eternal is very well armed. I think it's actually less well armed than a Nazca class battleship. It's mostly a carrier, right? Yeah. It's a specialist ship designed to carry the justice and freedom and presumably also the Providence into battle. It is very fast. I think it is still canonically the fastest ship ever built at this point. So, Kira gets the Strike Freedom. Does Athrun get the the Aegis Aegis Justice? Justice? That would be a way better name for it. We've already been given its name, if you were paying attention. There are three Nazca ships that are going to try to pin it in, and they begin launching their Zakus and Gufs. Claiming, uh, now that we've found these terrorists, we won't let them get away. The Eternal is heading for Earth to try to send uh, the pod. Cut to Maru to explain this to Kira. That She's like, I don't know how large the force after them is, but they say if they can't get away, they'll shoot a pod down in our direction. And Kira Kira's is, like, what? what? And Kigali's like, a pod? I love how we flash back to Atherin, who's still trying to sit up in the yeah. brig. He's doing the most strenuous sit-up of all time. He's playing, like, Quop or something, one of those games where you control the muscle groups <laughs> in the stomach, trying to sit up. And Moo is like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Excuse me, Captain Neo Roanoke. He's <laughs> like, what the hell do you think you're and doing? And Atherin's like, I don't know, my peck keeps twitching for some reason. And Kira's like, if they can't get away... What is Lachis thinking? I love how Moo calls the bridge, and it's like, this guy won't sit still and he won't shut up. I love that their TV has, stop, Moo's timer capture, so they've got a capture card on there, edit, presumably for uh, any kind of video editing. On the capture card, yeah. Yep, mail, mail, mail's a good one. Record, play, play, stop, and image. image. Um, I just like that news actually seems kind of like the odd one out. I love how at the bottom it it says, from sickbay online anyway this guy keeps saying go kira go kira go kira <laughs> we kept him clutching his heart being like protect lacus no matter what Ugh. she was very cute and innocent look at how tiny she was <laughs> look at how off model she was originally i feel like they changed their model sheet maybe but that looked like the original one that they had yeah that looked like baby lacus from early seed yeah and neo's like he says if everything will be over if we lose her He's not wrong, because neither of them are charismatic enough to carry on a leadership role of this. 
So Kira's like, Kagala, I need to borrow your Gundam. And also that secret rocket booster for a mobile suit we just have here. I love how he doesn't even wait for Kigali to say anything. He's just basically like, I need, I'm doing this, bye. Well, that's and then he thanks Atherin, not Kigali, Atherin. <laughs> As Muriel and, and curly hair guy are like, jerk. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and even Maru's like, what the fuck? I love how smug Maru looks on the camera. I love that Maru turns around and is like, I see you still remember the communication code for the bridge. Which he's like, wait, yeah, what? I did. <laughs> I gotta hang up. This was weird. Actually, I think Maru hung up. This is freaking out, man. Yeah, because she's got to give the order for everyone to assist Kira. And I love that Atherd still struggling his life. It's like, thank you very much, Commander, Commander LaFlaga. <laughs> and he's like, why is it that even you have to call me that? I'm Captain Neo Roanoke. And I absolutely adore this bit from Atherin where he's like, wait a minute. I've been so out of it. I just thought, oh, man, how did Commander LaFlaga get hurt? And, and then he remembered the explosion. explosion. <laughs> what? He's just what? Were they hiding you in the basement the entire time and never told me? <laughs> Were you in the basement with the freedom? Cut to a ton of Zaku's launching towards the Eternal, shooting them with missiles. They did apparently at least load the anti-aircraft uh, guns. No, they even have anti-missile missiles. So I thought they didn't fire them this battle, but they just did. I really think the only thing they're lacking is mobile suits. I'm pretty sure that's the case, because we've already been presented with the fact that battleships don't handle mobile suits really well. Unless it's the Archangel. Well, even the Archangel never really handled them very well. It just didn't die to them. It didn't die to them, but it also wasn't like shooting down all of them all the time. And they had Kira protecting them. So, cut to the... Kira in the cockpit of the Strike Rouge, and Murdoch's like, what will we do about the Vultures and other specs? And he's like, uh, set it to blue, white, and red, like my Strike. <laughs> he just says, set them up in the same way you'd set up the Strike. Get to the Eternal doing some barrel rolls, firing the Meteors at the mobile suits. Yeah, I honestly, when I was watching this, I did not realize that those were the Meteors. I love how the Zakus have a grenade, because it is so stupid. Cracker Grenade! So yeah, they have literally just attached a rocket booster to the strike, which to be fair, kind of makes sense as a thing to invent. And Murdoch tells everybody to take cover because presumably this isn't something they were really prepared to use here. So Walt felt like, well, we have one mobile suit. I'll go get in it. I'll chase away the pests. DaCosta, don't get hit in the engines while I'm gone. I love that he's in like this trench coat and stuff while he's doing that too. <laughs> so the side of the mountain where the Archangel is opens and... They're like, we factored in the orbital data, right? The Eternal will be descending towards us. And Kira's like, I'm Kira Operating Systems Yamato. I've got it. So this is apparently called the Strike Booster. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what it else is a booster rocket, so. Is this specifically for the Strike, or could a Wyndham put this on? Nope. Strikes only. So Kira hits the phase shift button, and now the Rouge is just in the original Strike colors, because that's just a setting, apparently. I really wish it had still been pink, just because of the fact that that would I would have fall loved... more in line with what we've already been presented with the phase shift armor. I would have also really loved if he got up there and Lacus was like, Kigali, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here, Kigali? <laughs> but then how could they sell action figures in this color scheme as Cure of the Skies color? A thing they do. <laughs> so is it just that color scheme with the Strike Rouge's logo on the side? They also have Strike Freedoms, or uh, Freedoms that are in this color scheme, that are Cure of the Skies color. Isn't this just normal Strike colors, though? Yeah. But they have Freedom Gundams, which are a different set of colors. <sighs> All right. So Walfelt latches in the goddamn Gaia Gundam. Hey, remember when I said we'd be playing the game, where is the Gaia Gundam? Also, they reconfigured this one's color to yep. be Walfelt colors. colors. Because it's nice and orange. 
it does make sense for Walt Felt to have the Gaia, I guess. It doesn't make any sense how it got here. Yeah, like, it would make sense if they built one, but if, as you said, this is canonically supposed to be the same one. Yes. I do kind of love how he just starts kicking ass, though. Like, yeah, it really so does reinforce that he's an ace pilot in his own right. Yeah, you forget sometimes because he hasn't done a lot recently, but he was one of the most threatening pilots for a long time until Kira showed up. Yeah, so one of the guys is like, the Gaia? What kind of organization is this? In the subs, they say they've got one of those. In the dub, they do say, how did they get that? <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot more sense because yeah. the Gaia, we don't have like any Gaia strikes or what, what is the, what is the dagger? Dagger. Yeah, I was going to say, Gaia I assume it's a Gaia dagger. Like that. Like, we don't have anything like that presented, so it's not one of those. As far as we know, there's only the one. It would make more sense, though, as you said, if they just stole the specs. And uh, Andrew Walt that was like, build me one of those. That looks like my jam. I want one. And since apparently they can just magic up mobile suits, it apparently doesn't take time to build them in this universe. To be fair, I feel like this factory canonically only builds five. They're actually just playing a uh, Gundam-themed sieve, and if you just have enough gold, you can just buy the unit instead of waiting for it to produce. Maybe, I guess so. Or it's Garen's Greed, and the first one, when you research the unit, you get one for free. Okay. So she's like, how much further until we're able to launch the pod? And the cost is like 20. No, 25. It's 20 standard, but we use metric. Lacus is like, please continue not to get our engine hit until then. Oh, shut the engine! <laughs> nah, they don't immediately take an engine hit, but... Walt goes to level his gun, but he's done so in exactly the pose for the goof to use its stock footage disarm attack. <laughs> I believe this is also the exact same animation that uh, Stella had. It was. When, it's yep. just changed in color and background. Yep. Also, um, Atherin did that to Shin when he was in a goof. But the strike is almost here. As Kira's like, ah, oh, please let me make it in time. And Walt just as Walt Felt's getting surrounded and the Eternals taking fire directly from Azaku. In a shot that is reused from Gundam Seed, only they've made changed the Jin to Azaku. One of the Gunner Zakus is about to get a good shot on it, but here comes a Kira laser blast. It's the heavy laser, too. When I said that this is probably the most changed episode, in the original, he just comes in the Strike Ale Rouge, because that's all they had. So basically, this entire fight has been reanimated. Oh, interesting. It's interesting that he fires the heavy laser to save the Eternal, but now he doesn't seem to have that anymore. I'm not sure how you would aim it from the position he's in. And in the original, it was just the regular laser, because he did not have a heavy laser. So, no, I'm just saying that they, he used it originally, and now it seems no. to have disappeared. So Walfield's like, the strike? And he's like, yes, but with missiles. That reminds me Woo-hoo. of the uh, pack that, what's it called? The, uh, the mobile suit from Full Metal Panic had. I can the red ca- one. I can't remember what it's called at the moment. It's those uh, bisected wings. Yeah. Yep. Well, it also had, because it had the underslung ordnance. Then Kira practices the only thing he knows how to do with a gun Throw on foot. Throw gun. Yep. But he throws it to Waltfeld, not at Waltfeld. Well, how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is it when you're throwing to somebody? You are throwing it at somebody. I like that the shield is still pink because apparently that's not part of the face shift armor. Well, we already yep. knew that because the face shift armor doesn't deflect beam weapons, but the shields do. And it still has Kigali's crest as well. But because he's got this cool pack, he's got a rail gun and a beam, a big beam gun underslung, just like the Freedom. And he's used to using those. And Lacus is like, oh my god, my boyfriend! I really like the shot of the strike in this color with the big sword and the shield. For some reason, perfect grade strikes come with a big sword like that. And it's a really good look with the big sword and shield, I think. I like the big sword and shield combination on the strike. But I'm not usually a fan of it. Honestly, this one is still kind of a mess. But the strike itself is such a good design. 
I like the Destiny more than you, but I really like the look on the Strike. I think because the Strike shield is so much larger, it gives it like a heavy knight feel. Yeah, like a tower mm-hmm. shield and broadsword. And Lacus is like, hey, Kara. And Kara's like, yeah, I know I said I'd let you take care of Lacus, but I got really worried. And look, you weren't. Well, he's taking care of Lacus. It's just he's not as good a pilot. So he didn't have this booster in the original, so he just launches it at Azaku, who destroys it. Well, he uses that as a shield yeah. for the Eternal. And then he takes out with the big sword. Honestly, I kind of like the... We only get it for a very brief moment, but the naked strike with just the big sword and shield. Yeah, it looks really good. The shield arm gets blown off by one of the big cannons, so he throws the giant sword at that Zaku, taking it out. And Walt felt like, well, if you're here, get on the Eternal. Your machine is waiting for you. And Kira, Your girlfriend's like, got you a new ride. Kira's like confused for a second. He stutters just a little bit. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that tracks. It's our anniversary. Shit, I didn't bring flowers. <laughs> So just so the strike can never be used again, its legs get blown off as it is pulled in. I like how it's got this emergency retrieval thing, because it makes a lot of sense. Like magnet hooks in space? Well, in case you have a damaged machine that you can't <laughs> pick up. And then Lacus is, like, following the strike as it's being lowered in, like she's, like, watching his plane land at an airport or something. <laughs> <laughs> she's separated by a pane of glass, which is what really sells it. And he's like, don't worry, my mobile suit's beat up, not me. And they fly at each other to do a space hug. He even takes his helmet off for it. So Lacus comes in. She was clearly going for the kiss and then she saw that <laughs> Kira was going for a hug. And she's like, okay, hug's good too. It does seem like a very content hug, especially compared to the mega awkward ones we've gotten recently. Throughout this whole scene, my immediate thought was Lacus <laughs> 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 has bedroom eyes right there. You're a snack. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my first thought was, uh, you guys do realize that you are currently still being shot at, right? Yeah, exactly. My first thought was, uh, and actually, I think I wrote this in my notes, and then the Eternal explodes <laughs> because they wasted time here. <laughs> I-, I think Kira realizes that, but Lax is like, we have time for a quickie, right? Just push me right against this wall. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a dress. I do actually really like this line where he's like, being here with you like this, I couldn't be happier than I am now. And this does seem like the most happy they've been to be with each other. It really does feel like being apart. They were both like, oh yeah, that's the person I need to spend my life with. Because when they are not here with me, I feel much worse. She's like, yeah, I feel the same way, Kira. And he has a moment of bedroom lies, and she's like, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> and he's like, so where's this new cool machine that Walt felt told looks, me about it? She looks the, like kind of God damn it. It's like, God damn it, Walt Felt. I could have at least surprised him with it afterwards. So this is actually the scene I wanted your take on. Is she disappointed here because Kira has to go fighting again or because uh, happy reunion? I think A and B. I I think why not both? That's fair. That's fair. It makes sense. I think it's a matter of like she wants to have more time with Kira, obviously, rather than having to immediately go back to doing our job. And also, yeah, we got back together. But under these circumstances, why is it we always get back together because people are trying to murder us with lasers? Yeah. Why can we never just have zero G sex in my giant pink spaceship like I want? (laughs) She's like, okay, this way. And Kira, like, remembers to grab his helmet on the way back. I really like that detail. Dacosta's now, like, sitting in the commander chair because everybody else is off the bridge and no one is going to give him shit well, for it. I think he was sitting there before. No, no before he was in Waltfeld's chair. Now he is no, in Lacus's chair. No, I think he's still chair. in Waltfeld's chair. That looks like Lacus's to me, but... No, I'm pretty sure he's in Waltfeld's chair. I like the shot of Kira jumping in front of Lacus before she hits the wall. And I definitely interpret this as Lacus uh, going into it a little bit, like leaning a bit more into the laser. <laughs> she learned this trick from Maru. 
<laughs> so that she can have this nice extra hug real quick. And Kira's like, we don't have time to flirt right now, Lacus. I mean, I'm on board, but uh, this is kind of not the time. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, you're right. We did just get shot. So, <laughs> and then in a scene very reminiscent of Lacus guiding Kira to the freedom the first time. She's got kind of a smug smirk on yeah, her she's face like, when she's showing it. I got you a better one. <laughs> yeah. And like choir music starts playing over this. Yeah, which is a choice. I don't hate it. I mean, he has double Jesus Yamato yeah. now, so. It's not nearly as good of a reveal shot as the first Freedom, I don't think. In part because they're not on the high catwalk. They're looking up at the entire it, thing. Yeah, it's we're too far down. I mean, it would be an imposing shot, but they're also not necessarily trying to make the Strike Freedom take on those devil aspects they've given Shin's mobile suits multiple times in the series. Yeah. But I never got those from the original Freedom either, and we saw it from like the chest up. Although we also wouldn't be able to see its second gun from there, but you can't really see it here because of the gray sky. No, I, I more have meant like trying to make it more intimidating, which they never really did with the freedom. Gotcha. I um, also think so. It's just it, the shot is we a weird choice for this particular mobile suit. Uh, now that I think about it, that's also probably why they're doing choir music as a contrast with Shin's, because like this is like kind of heavenly, etc., as opposed to the path that Shin is walking down. Also, I think this is the most Shogun reminiscent Gundam we get in the show. Since it's all in grayscale, it's really hard to see detail. It is, yeah. I kind of wish we had seen it with the phase shift on. Lacus looks like she's about to cry when Kira's like, hey, thanks. With this, I can fight properly. I'm not a scrub like Atherin who's just going to fight in any mobile suit he can get in. Yeah, and I, why, I have standards. Why does she look like she's about to cry here? See, and I think question. this is because he has to go out. I think fight. it's literally because like Lacus didn't want to let him have the freedom back because she didn't want him fighting again. That's fair. And look at what happened the last time he went back and fought. He almost got killed. That's actually why I was asking whether or not that was her reason. Is she's like, uh, this is happening again. I read it as that, but it's still so out of character for Lacus, right? I, A I think bit. I, she was like, wait, early on in Destiny. It, that's true. It tracks with how she was acting around the first time. And even here, it actually tracks even more. Because she built him this? <laughs> well, she built him this, and the last time he went out, he almost got killed. Yeah, that's true. I don't know that she knows that, but... I think she does, because they've been picking up pretty much all of the intelligence. That's they would have picked Remember, up a pretty terminal. big... That's true. They would have picked up a big, you know, announcement of, we shot down the freedom. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, she, has she tears does tears up. He's like, thanks, I can protect you now. Wait here. I do really like this bit from Kira. He's like, I I'll love- be right back, and then we can go see all our friends. Honestly, like, I don't think Lacus knows this, but that's one of the last things he said to Flay, was, that's, I'll be right back. That's true. I feel like Kira must have told her that story. So it's got the same operating system as the original Freedom. Although it says complex instead, and that's a little weird. So he says one thing while he's doing this. Um, Also, before that, this is that uh, clearly, and this is the reason that Walt felt couldn't use it, they put this mobile suit together with no operating system because she knows that's how he likes it. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to customize it. He's got to write it right now real quick. With some just beautiful, beautiful techno babble. It's See, really good techno. And he's saying it so fast. Yep. Even in the Japanese, it sounds like he's just like rushing through. He's like, okay, I got that kernel module. Need to install Bash. Well, uh, they did say that the mobile suits from onboard the factory were still undergoing final adjustments. So this is also probably one of them. Like it hadn't been finalized. That's one of the reasons why Walt Phil took the guy 
Also, I feel like Walt Felt is the kind of person who, if you gave him an actual choice, he'd still take the Gaia. Well, that's because it can transform her into a dog and he misses his Baku. He did not have a Baku. No. Well, he, 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 he also had a Baku. You know he had one in a shed somewhere. <laughs> okay, I think we miss it. So one of the things, though, he says in there is uh, annihilation levels normal. And the only thing I could think of with a nuclear reactor where annihilation would be a thing is with goddamn antimatter. I'm pretty sure that says ion levels normal. No, there was a different thing, because I was specifically like, what the fuck? There's nothing in, a, in there about annihilation levels. I think you I misheard something. I swear there was annihilation levels in there. Maybe it's after this, but the, it's done booting up, so probably not. So he's like, strike freedom, system activated, and here's where Vestige starts in the original, and it's amazing timing. Instead, we get the song Kira of the Skies, which is Kira's theme song going forward. It's not a bad song, but it definitely doesn't have the same power as a full insert song by TM Revolution with lyrics. And I do love that Lacus is the one who launches him. I mean, of course, it's it's the last piece of the birthday present. And as before, <laughs> I'm sorry, the anniversary th- present. Th- the strike was the X10. This is the X20. Okay, fair. He still just calls it the freedom when taking off, though. Yeah. Well, because they already had that shot. This is probably me. I don't like the gold on this thing. It looks super out of place. I like it in se- like I like it in the center there. I don't like it like here because of the contrast with the blue and the red too much. Well, honestly, the reason why I don't like it there in the stomach is because it's too low. Like if it were higher up on the chest, it would be fine. So what the hell is this thing? That's its also, in, that's, that's its a cannon. laser cannon. Okay, cool. But like I was hoping <laughs> the gold hands and feet. To me, that looks dumb. It's pure Gundanium, though. I mean, it's no, it's phase shift because it's gray. Normally, this mobile suit has the gold is all of the internals. So this has phase shift on the internal structure in addition to the outside. And that's to reduce the resistance and make it react faster. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Why not? And also because they thought it would look cool if it's gold. I don't hate it as much as Zach. There are parts of it I really like, but I definitely think the gold kind of takes away from what is a very good color scheme. My problem is mostly that it makes the color scheme too busy. Yeah, there's too much. You already had three. Now you have five. you You had a really good balance. Of the blue, the red, and the white. And with the gold thrown in there, and it also looks some black. kind of thrown in there haphazardly. Like, it, just paint this gold. It'll be fun. And it's very much not, because it's all the parts that of the frame that would show on a model kit are the gold. So it's very intentionally designed. But it doesn't look great, I don't think. I mean, you can intentionally design something poorly. A bunch of Zaku start shooting at it, but it doesn't need a shield because it's got the cool wrist beam shields that the Destiny has. I mean, I know they're like supposed to be better, but I've always liked the actual carry shields. They feel better. The energy better. fields feel too more too much like Star Wars. Yeah, which I isn't bad, but it's also not. It doesn't feel like it's Gundam. A, it's not rule of cool enough. I think is really the problem. The thing is, the Strike Freedom is the one suit I really like those on because I like that it has two guns. Like, that feels like a very Kira Yamato. Now I can shoot one more guy's head <laughs> off, but he needs some sort of defense. It would make a lot more sense if the if we hadn't seen the Destiny with them already. Yeah. But Jeremy, without the physical shield, how can he drop it as part of his combat maneuver? They should have considered that. That's right. Anyway, he dodges some missiles and then shoots them before they can hit the Eternal. And Walt feels like, yeah, you guys are fucked. <laughs> as he does his drive-by beam saber maneuver and and uh that's one day, what's that machine and it's the return of it's fast guy <laughs> they got an upgrade they, now they are in goofs they were in gins <laughs> yeah 
A new model? It's fast. And the other guy's like, fast? Oh shit, only one mobile suit is fast. It's the freedom! (laughs) Honestly, like, their identify things are probably picking up its codes and then it's probably telling them it's the freedom. Also, visually speaking, I do not think you would be able to tell the difference, especially at the speed it is approaching. And the things that really differentiate it from the freedom, it's lack of shield, that cannon in its chest... And the dragoons, which it hasn't used yet. There are a few other things, but yeah, those are the like those obvious. are the those are the major ones that would jump out at you. But like, you're not going to see that cannon. It's just it's moving too fast. The fact that it doesn't have a shield could be a conscious choice by its pilot to go out with one more gun, not a shield. So does the cannon have a cover because it's got like a slidey looking thing on the front? Does that actually move? I don't remember. Okay. Uh, we get the shot from the opening where he shoots the two Zakus, at, or a Zaku and a Jin on the other side of him, and then does it again. But then the Goofs do their stock motion attack, and one gets his leg, and the other wraps up his arm. And oh no, what's he gonna do? He's gonna have funnels, because the Strike Freedom's wings are funnels. Or dragoons, I suppose. So, what is with this, like... This thing oh, going it's, on. It's in the, the same effect as the Destiny has. Yeah, but with its like engines. But okay, but like, why wasn't that happening before? Oh, because, because it only the happens when the dragoons are deployed. I mean, it looks cool, but that's dumb. Yes, that's not yes, how that works. Uh, yes. Yeah, it, because how much dumber would it look without the light, though? If you just have these little I, spots I, without, like, I actually kind of like it. Oh, I think so. it looks terrible. This Honestly, is legit the reason why I don't like the Strike Freedom as much as the Freedom. There are some other things, but this is the big one. I think it looks really bad with the dragoon deployed even though i love the dragoons with him is that honestly the reason why i think it looks so bad with the dragoons deployed is because i don't like those like energy wings that the destiny has either but here it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense are they the engines like why do the engines go like that like and why are they exhausting all the time yeah so it makes it just honestly if they didn't have that there i don't know what i would think but it just feels like they added more shit to it for the sake of adding more shit to it so also kira had like a little bit of a new type flash when he did that right yeah he activates the multi-lockout system and we see the strike freedoms stock footage attack which is pretty similar except for he's got dragoons all around him and a chest beam instead of the two big overhead cannons which is the other reason i don't like this as much i really think that those big cannons help with the wing designs by putting a separation there and i think it looks really weird without them you can't tell as much in this shot though and we see a whole bunch of Zakus and Gifts getting their arms and heads blown off. And Lax is like, hell yeah. <laughs> Dacosta's just like, holy shit. <laughs> and Captain Beardu is like, two minutes? He destroyed 25 Zakus and Gifts in two minutes? Um, we honestly, saw him I on do- screen destroy 16. I counted. I honestly do not care that he killed that many in that short of time. It because doesn't it matter. doesn't matter. It's just here to reference that time Amaro Ray destroyed eight Rick Doms and three battleships in three minutes. This is a much more impressive number, though, because Gundam Sea Destiny, everything is inflated. It's just Captain Beardu trying to put over Kira Yamato. Yep. Also, that was a. I was. Yeah, made the note in my uh, notes, I guess. That that was an extremely Amaro moment of like shouting at your funnels to go get them. Oh, yeah, so, right here. Yep. Where they're like enemy mobile suit approaching. He's like, uh, shoot it down. Well, I mean, that's all he really can do. Yep. But he shoots it with the rail guns and then deploys his funnels and yells, Gangare! Which you will hear a lot if you play Kira Yamato in a Dynasty Warriors gun. <laughs> or hit them in the English dub as his funnels destroy all the engines on these Nazca class vehicles. Well, that definitely killed a few people. 
So all the ships have lost navigation control, and Captain Beardu slumps into his chair in defeat. Like, super comically, like, this is, it's almost a little silly. Almost? Okay. It is a little silly, which is just kind of out of sync with the general tone. And here is where the ending theme begins to kick in, right where Vestige ends in the original version, which is nice contrast. Walthot's like, well, I guess I'm returning because he killed everyone. He took everybody out. And Kirek gets a sad look for a moment. He flies alongside the Eternal. That's because he knows it's never as good as the first time. <laughs> I guess has a similar look, but then she smiles and is like, hey, my boyfriend's coming back. And Kira's like, yeah, I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> but then he gives one last determined look before the ending theme starts. All right. So, Tyler, what did you think? I, again, just think it's all right. I feel like mostly we lingered too long on a lot of the things that were in this. It was weirdly fast paced, but also, again, not a ton actually happened. Kira got his new mobile suit, which I guess it makes sense to devote an entire episode to that. You got to sell those play sets and toys. Yep. It does make a lot of sense to dedicate the full episode to it because it is a very important plot point to dedicate the full episode. Because I was going to say they did dedicate an entire episode to the Destiny Gundam, but I think reinforcing that Shin is no longer the main character, it was kind of a side note to Athrun running. Yeah, it does weirdly... The Strike Freedom's first launch has always felt way more impressive to me than the Destiny's, even though the Destiny kills five Destroy Gundams, and, you know, the Strike Freedom kills 25 Zakis and Cups. Well, I think it's more impressive because (laughs) it's Kira alone. There's that. I also am super into funnels, and the fact that he has them now is super exciting to me, and I do really love that shot where the two Goofs get him, and he's like, no. That's uh, a it's that's a cool reveal. Yeah, I like how at some point he was just like looking at the specs while he was doing the OS reprogramming. He's like, "Oh, what the, what are, what are these? These look neat." <laughs> Did the Providence have these? These look cool. Oh man, I have eight more guns that just like detach from me. Wait, Moo used these. <laughs> these are way better than Moo's. Moo's had wires attached to them. Yes, Moo used but the, the Chinese knockoffs them. of those. <laughs> well, he more or less had like the prototypes of them because that was a few years before. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Zach, or shall we move on to high points? It's not bad. I The Strike Freedom is like, I don't hate it, but at the same time, I don't really like it. Yeah, it's a very divisive mobile suit, and I'm in the same spot. I dislike it because I like the freedom so much, and like I've said, they change it in just enough ways for me to hate it, even though I love funnels and I should love this thing. And there is a part of my lizard brain that's like, yeah, Jeremy, it's got funnels. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but I don't usually talk about like color balance because usually that kind of thing doesn't bother me. But well, and also usually it's really done throws better. it off. So like the, the strike freedom is whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty okay on it. I think in contrast to Zach, I actually really like the dumb energy wave things that the nuclear mobile suits have. But mostly I think I just like the way the effect looks. Yeah. More than I actually like them coming off of the mobile suits. I really like it on the Destiny, but really don't on the Strike Freedom. I want something like that as a phone background, specifically just that color palette. Gotcha. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I do. I'm trying to come up with a different high point because I don't want to take yours. That's fine. I can um, come up with another one. <laughs> this is definitely just a runner-up, but um, it's Captain Neo Roanoke. <laughs> um, is pretty good. I'm actually going to go with Dacosta gets to, like, exist. Yeah, I was going to say Dacosta's back. That's one of the reasons I like this episode. Um, hey, you want to know a fun fact? What's that? This is the last time Andrew Walthout will sortie in the guy I get him. <laughs> <laughs> that one time that it happened. I also really like the color scheme on the Gaia. I think I prefer the original color scheme the on the Gaia. The black color scheme? Yeah, yeah I definitely gold, think it looks but... better in black. But 
This These is pretty Walmart fun. Callers. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's what I'm going with is Dacasa gets to do something. Thanks, Dacasa. Zach, you're here. I think for a high point, I might have to go with Walt Felt giving Dacasta shit. <laughs> it's really it's cute. just so great. I'm gonna go with the Kirillakis reunion, yep. which is kind of the only thing I wanted from Gundam Z Destiny. And hey, it gave it to me. I mean, I would have appreciated if they made out, just like Lacus would have appreciated it. But uh poor Lacus. I mean, presumably, like, isn't there, like, a follow-up fan series where they have a kid or something? I, not I that I'm know. aware of, but I presume that Kira and Lacus' sex life gets much better after this. <laughs> Tyler, no I would depressed. not be overly surprised if Jeremy hadn't thought that out. Uh, yeah, least. I'm sure. I also feel like Jeremy is probably not the only person who has thought way too much about this. You know, I actually always assume that they're genetically incompatible and they're okay with that. And they, that's one of the reasons they have so many adopted kids. kids yeah, that's fair. Also, they're very busy. <laughs> they are, in fact. Low point talent. It's kind of a meta point, but there are a lot of times where they could have advanced the plot a little bit more, and they, like, did, but all of it was kind of, like, little half-assed, like, you were dangling this in front of you for the yeah. next episode, and they could have gone into, like, a little bit more anytime they did any of that. Like, even the thing with Moo, I'm sorry, Captain Nia Roanoke, remembering the uh, Shipcom code, uh, like... That's good. I would have liked a little bit more something out of any of the characters as a result of that. Yeah, this is a very fun episode, I think, despite having like a slow start. But that's kind of all it is, is fun. Yeah, it feels like that one. Uh, no one really had a whole lot prepared for this game of or, uh, tonight's tabletop game. So here are 25 Zakus and Goofs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go fight some goblins. I'm sorry, Goofs. No, they were going to have something going on, but then Atherin's player was like, oh shit, guys, I just got called into work. Yeah, exactly. So they just did like, like a fun right, little um, one-shot thing. have Kira go get his new, like this was going to come up later. I'll just have Kira go get his new mobile suit. I'll have to figure out something for you later. Zach? I think I have to go with the first part of this episode with Atherin and Kigali talking. It's like, it's kind of important, but at the same time, this feels like it's kind of being shoehorned into this episode as just space filler. Well, especially since Atherin didn't really need to be the thing that caused Kira to, like, go. He would have done it no, anyway. it wasn't even that. It was just Kigali, when Kigali and Atherin are talking. No, I guess my point is uh, Atherin didn't have to be in this episode at all. He could have still been passed out and we could have, like, that's done this better. That's important for Moo slash Neo, right? Not for Kira. Yeah. I had one and it just vanished, like like space dust. Um, like Stardust memories, if you will. Yeah. Man, it is just gone. Is it Captain Beardu? No, he sucks, but... <laughs> They're fast guys being back? Oh, I, I remember. Oh, no, that's a high point. Yeah, you yeah. know that. <laughs> I know. We've kind of gone over this before, but how Andrew Waltfelt have Gaia Gundam? What, yeah. what terminal is? How factory? Where factory? When factory? What factory? factory? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, where factory? In space, obviously. How factory? Space. Clearly, she lifted it off at the end of the last war, like you said. <laughs> She moved it to an asteroid somewhere and built a machine shop. Who and what is Terminal? And how are, like, they're like, let's call them, and then they'll call the Archangel. Yeah, I really wish we got some more detail. Actually, as we were coming down here, I was complaining that I didn't get enough detail in the world for Burn the Witch, and this is like, this is actually a particularly large plot point of terminal existing and to be fair but it we, never addresses it it doesn't spend nope. any time on it and they spend so much time on so many other things yeah but like we didn't have any time spent on the klein faction really right but we had characters like the costa and wallfelt in it which kind of made it feel 
fleshed out in yeah, a way. Yeah, exactly. Like, we didn't need to because we already had some focal characters. Uh-huh. Well, and, like, the Klein faction wasn't running around being like, we have all this intelligence. We built an army. It was... The Klein faction are the rebels against Patrick Zala. That's easy enough to get un- to understand, especially with having those couple of focal characters. Uh, so, and Lackis is exceptionally competent and charismatic, so of course she's going to gather some people. And her dad is a famous ex-president. Yeah. And Patrick Zala was a fucking nutcase. That helps. Any final thoughts, Tyler? Nothing that I don't think we've already said. It was a pretty okay episode for me all around. It was kind of on the fun side, but also I feel like that's just like a weird tone shift given it, like how dramatic it's been given recently. I'm like, like we needed a breath of relief and this is not the way I would have done that. Zach? I mean, this episode needed to happen, but I really wish we'd gotten a little bit more of a... Like the same tone because we've got a yeah it's super dramatic early with Lacus or not Lacus Kigali and Athred and then Lacus talking to uh you know Walfeld of oh we're gonna have to either drop those two machines you know playing the pronoun game and then at the end like you said it goes total power fantasy after Kira gets the strike freedom okay we got two seconds of ghost dad this episode that brings us to <laughs> four minutes and fourteen seconds so thus far in Destiny let's see how much. Did he have in the original scrolling? I do not remember, but I do. Re- I'm pretty sure that unless we get yeah. like 20 minutes in the next 10 episodes, we're not going to reach that. 17 minutes and 38 seconds. So yeah, that's quite a, a difference. Do we want to add the Strike Rouge Tori to our mobile suit list? It gets a showcase here. The what now? That's the, the boost. New, that's the pack. It's got oh, the two okay. guns, the missiles, the big sword. I mean, does it deserve its own ranking? That's what I am asking you. Oh, okay. Uh, <sighs> I don't particularly feel like it brings anything new to the table that we haven't already seen before, but I also kind of feel generally that way about the packs. So I'm I don't sure. think we should give it its own ranking because Kigali never got to use it. Yeah, and to be fair, this is a problem with the HD remake and not the original. But because Kigali never did anything in the original, she never got to use the sweet mobile suit, which I think is very cool, which we talked about with its sword. And I really like the one big laser and the rail gun on the back. But I like all the stuff it has. It's just all things that we've seen before on other mobile suits just kind of crammed onto this thing. And then it gets destroyed immediately. Hey, that's a big reason why I hate the destiny. Yeah. All right. So that will do it for phase 39, which, depending on editing, may be our longest episode ever. That's another good reason not to rate a mobile suit right now. So join us next week when we will be watching phase 40, Legacy of Gold. Oh, hey, is, is it that one? Is it that Gundam? <laughs> the thing? Yep. Until then, we have to keep watching. It is our destiny. Calling me that now? My name is Neo Roanoke, Captain.